He created everything. He made us. He made everything we see. It's all his. He's, he's the owner. We put it in concepts of kind of owner, manager. He's the owner. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's over all of those things, and he gives us all a portion to manage, right? So we all have a different measure, a different portion, but let's be very clear. We're very blessed in America. We're very, very blessed, and so, but we all have a different measure, and we need to learn to be content and joyful and thankful for what God's given to us, and so, and God is, he's looking at all of us as, as managers of how we do with what he's given to to us. And a lot of times we think, well, we, we're always talking about resources or money, but that's not true. We're, we're talking about everything God's given to us. You have gifts, you have talents, your time we talked about last week. Uh, of course, resources, all of those things, you're, uh, uh, they're all important to God. And he's given you all of those things. And he's looking at how we manage those things. He's looking for great managers. There's plenty, over 2,000 scriptures on stewardship or managing all through the Bible. So this is the most talked about topic in the scriptures. Now, what we're going to talk about today, which is very interesting, is the most important asset. If you had to think of what's the most important asset or the thing that God's given to you to manage, what, what do you think it would be? We did this in first service. We got, some, we got some good answers. What's the most important asset that God's given to you to manage? Time, yourself, family. All right. The most important asset is people. People are the most important asset to God. So your relationships you have, let me, let me say it this way. People or the relationships that you have, they're the only asset we manage, the only asset we manage that has eternal implications, right? You're not taking your stuff with you, right? You don't get more time when you go to heaven as far as you have what God's given to you. Everything you have is, is uh, you're, it's important to manage all those things, but the number one most important asset is people and people will have an internal application. They'll either be with Christ for eternity or they'll be separated from God for eternity. And we're not waiting for that moment of judgment or we're not waiting for that moment where God makes those decisions of who follows and who doesn't. The important part is, is the time you have now is so valuable because you have the opportunity in all your relationships to share this wonderful good news. And so your relationships, and we all have a measure of relationships, don't we? Some of you have, have lots of, of different relationships, or, or God's given you favor through business, or, or your, your talent, or your job, or, or in your neighborhoods, or, or you have uh, families, and big families, and kids. Whatever it is, we all have a measure of the amount of people or influence that God has given to you, and that measure is important as well. So people, let me show you in the, in the scriptures, people are the most important asset. And so uh, I know we had a thank you, by the way, for praying and standing with us. And so we always, you know, God, is there something you want to do? We thought this was important to spend time. So, so I'm already getting my five minute marker. So pull your pants up, get ready. Here we go. All right. And so, um, but people are the most important asset. Matthew 13, 45 and 46 talks about a parable. Now, Matthew 13 has a whole bunch of parables. And at the end of Matthew 13, it gives you a nugget of of what all those parables about, and it's about people. So let me read you this one, but I want you to understand he's talking about people. He's not talking about a thing. He says again, verse 45 and 46 to 13, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when we had found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, that parable sounds like, because when God speaks in parables, he's sharing with us something that we can understand but it's a kingdom principle. So we understand that if there's a pearl of great price, we're going to do everything we can to obtain it. That's, that's physical. But what he's talking about is the Savior gave everything he had. He paid the ultimate price for what? You, the pearl. People. 
And every parable in Matthew 13, he ends with saying, this is about people. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10, this is about a coin. Maybe you've heard this parable, but it says, uh, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice for me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. And then Jesus translates it. Likewise, I say to you, there is a joy in the presence of the angels and God over one sinner who repents. It's about people. You may say, well, no, it's about a coin. You're not going to stand before Jesus and go, hey, look at my coins. Now you're going you're to stand before Jesus and say, what do you did with your coins? But even more importantly, you're going to talk to him about God. Hey, what did you do in this relationship, in this relationship, in this relationship, in your family, in your marriage, with your kids? Because people are the most important thing to God. First John 3.16 says, but we know this. We know that people are the most important because By this, we know love because he laid down his life for us. And while we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So Jesus gave it all for what? People. People are the most important asset to Christ. In fact, we're going to read the scripture later in 1 Timothy. But his desire, speaking of the Lord's desire, is for every person to be saved. That's his desire. In fact, he, when Jesus was sacrificed on earth, he paid the price for all humanity, for every person. Whether they receive that salvation or not, he paid it. That's how important people are to him. Even if they deny him, even if they reject him, even if they say, I don't want it, he still paid their price. That's how much he loves people. And that's, that's why it's so important as managers, what's the most important asset you have? People. If people are the most important thing for the owner and the owner says, hey, I want you to manage these things, but by the way, I want you to know people are the most important thing to me and I want you to manage relationships. How many of you know that's very important to the one that you worship? That's very important to the owner. It's very important to the manager that you manage your relationships well. And so people are the most important asset. Uh, The second point is uh, the relation slip principle, right? Relationships are hard sometimes, aren't they? Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we, we hurt one another. Now I'm going to talk about the context of you and I, the church, brothers and sisters, people that follow Christ. And sometimes we have slips in our relationships too, where we, we hurt one another, not intentionally, maybe sometimes. What do we do? If people are the most important asset, and let me just say this, sometimes... Uh, Well, let me say, they're not only the most important asset, but they're also sometimes the most difficult to manage, aren't they? Jesus said it this way. Uh, He wanted, he desired to do a lot of things and healings, but the ones that were the most difficult for him were his own family. Like he desired to go back to his hometown, to his own family, he desired to heal, he desired to do a lot of things. And it wasn't that he didn't have the power to, absolutely, God could do whatever he wants, but it was because they had unbelief that he couldn't do what he desired to do. And so for you and I, just to understand, look, look, people are the most important asset and there's gonna be times where there's difficulties or it's difficult to manage people. I'm just gonna have some fun with you because I'm your pastor and I can do this. But uh, I say this a lot to people. We have some fun sometimes. You wanna know who the most difficult people to manage from a pastor's perspective is? The sheep. 
And you may be saying, well, what do you mean? Well, not everybody. But it's the sheep that know what this says and says, I'm not doing it. It's those that have been saved by this wonderful Lord and Savior. And then when it comes down to like, hey, this is what the Bible says. We're like, nah, I'm not doing it. That's the most difficult. And that's what Jesus is saying. Look, look, I want the best for you. But when it comes down to following the one that saved you, we push back at times. And we all have done that. So it's not like I'm saying that you're all difficult and I'm not. Look, I, I was there too. And so we've got to get to a place where we manage our relationships well. So what do we do? Uh, I love Matthew 18. It's probably one of the most uh, taken out of context verses in the Bible. And let me just give you three verses and I'll show you because we use these verses a lot. Now, it's not that these verses aren't true, but the verses that I'm going to quote, you're going to hear and be like, yeah, I know that verse, but sometimes we use it in the wrong way. Now, there's plenty of other verses you could use in the Bible to support, you know, that God is, is uh, you know, that he's with us and he's in us, but let me just share a couple of verses uh, out of Matthew 18, and I'm going to read three, and they go right in a row. They're right in a row as far as verses, and we quote these a lot. Watch this. Here we go. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, we shall bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. I just did this when we prayed over Israel. And why did I do it? Because we're talking about people. This, is, this verse is about relationships. This verse is about people. You can pray for people. You can ask for God's perspective from heaven. And whatever his perspective is from heaven, you can loose on earth and you can bind on earth. You can say, look, that's not of God. We need to bind that. This is God's heart. We can loosen that. And so this verse is in context, understanding is about when relationships go awry, when you, have, when you have a difficulty in a relationship, to be praying for God's heart for the relationship and for the person that you may have a disagreement with. Then it goes into verse 19, another one we quote a lot. Again, I say to you, if two of, two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, this is, you know, we use this a lot, like just two or three gather in my name, ask and it'll be done. And look, I, there's a lot of other verses, but this verse in context is talking about if you have a conflict with somebody, go to them first. If they won't listen, get two more to come with you, two or three to gather with you that have the values in the heart of God and bring that together. And it's beautiful that now, now when you have a conflict and relationship, you can ask God for his heart in the relationship. You can bind and loosen. And you can also have, you have some, some others along with you that have God's heart and you can pray together and say, God, we we want your heart in this relationship. We don't want this to continue this way. We want reconciliation. We want redemption. Do you think Jesus understands redemption and reconciliation? Absolutely. He's the best at it. And then the last verse we use a lot, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst of them. Again, there's a lot of other verses we could use, but in the context, these three verses have to do with conflict and relationship. How do I know that? Because read the verses right before it. Read the ones right before it. Verse 15, it says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell his fault between you and him alone. Go to the person individually. Go to them first. If he hears you, again, I'm talking about, I'm talking about brothers and sisters, those of us that are following the Lord and we have an issue with one another. I'm not talking about an unbeliever, okay? Because if you take an unbeliever and say, hey, we need to go meet with my pastor because we have a disagreement, probably not going to go over real well for you. But we're, we're talking about us, the church, people. So go to him alone. If he hears you, and by the way, it's, it's masculine, not because men are stubborn, just he is in people, okay? It's just human beings, all right? So if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you 
one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word, speaking of God's heart and God's word, may be established, right? So we're, we're seeking God and we're bringing people that aren't in the situation, but they have God's heart to bring reconciliation. As is, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church, but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be like a heathen or a tax collector. So what basically here's, here's what God is saying is, if you've confronted them and you still can't get reconciliation, then you bring two or three that, that agree with the word of God and God's heart, and if you can't bring reconciliation between that, then, then bring it to the elders and bring it to the church. And if you still can't get reconciliation, if they're still, then you're gonna let them go. Not that you don't love them, not that you're just disposing relationships, but you're gonna let them go because they know what God's word says, but they're not gonna do it. And so it says, just like the prodigal story, you just gotta let them go. God isn't giving up on them and neither are you. You continue to pray that they, for God's heart for them. And this is where the next verses come in. See, this is where the verses come in. So they're not listening to you, to the two or three, or to the church. Then it goes into... Now you can continue to pray and say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For there are two or three gathered in my name. I'm in the midst of them. See, now this goes together with the whole coupling of we have a relationship. We have something that went wrong. And we're trying, we're following God's heart and direction on how to bring reconciliation. But if that still doesn't work, you gotta let them go, but you continue to pray God's heart for them. You continue to pray for reconciliation and redemption for them. Do you believe there's power in prayer? Now, here's what I'm not saying, that you read these verses at a higher tone at them. <laughs> you all laugh because you've all done it, haven't you, Right? We call that Bible thumping them, right? So you don't use the word to manipulate to get what you want. You align with the word. Look, in the word, there's power. Not in the volume of your voice, there's power. In the word, there's power. So if they're not ready to, to forgive, and look, all you can do, you can't control their heart. All you can do is, is honor your own heart, right? So you can forgive. And I'm not saying that you, we become doormats either. So please hear me, I'm not saying that. Uh, because do you understand that when you come to Christ, when did Jesus die for you? Did he die for you when you did 10 things right? No, he died for you while you were a sinner. So if you have a, a, a mess in your relationship and that person's making a mistake, maybe even making a mistake to you or you're making a mistake against them, Jesus saved you while you were making mistakes. Now he's not saying, hey, keep doing mistakes. He's saying, no, go and sin no more right? So you're going to have to learn when you come to Christ and you give the Lord your heart and you repent for your sin, well, now you get to make some boundaries probably, right? You, you don't want to become like the old man, like the, your old ways, and so you may have to make some boundaries. Well, the same is true when you have a relationship that's gone awry, right? If there's, if there's one person that's willing to forgive and another one that's not, you may have to make some boundaries, and maybe even if you both forgive, you may have to make some boundaries to make sure that we're, we don't want to be back in the same place again. Because there's probably, there's two sides of the story. You've both, probably both been in the wrong. But we're going to have the heart of God to forgive and to redeem and to reconcile. Because you know you're not going to go to heaven and there's going to be like that section over there that's mad at that section over there and we don't worship together. That's not the way it's going to work. And so when Jesus says, 
Lord, when Jesus taught you to pray, like, we want what's in heaven to come to earth. That's what he's talking about. I want to be able to love like you love. I want to be able to forgive like you forgive. I want to be able to reconcile like you reconcile. And so these verses in Matthew 18 are really a beautiful principle on how we can move forward in relationships. Third, here's a simple yet profound revelation, uh, revelation and we'll, we'll close with this. John 3, 16 and 17, and this is a verse that many of us know, right? But many of us only quote the first part. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, we, which is true. But this, verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but yet almost every person that walks into the church thinks they're gonna get struck by a lightning bolt, but that's not what God says. I didn't come to condemn you. In fact, he says, but the world through Christ might be saved. You see, that's the heart of God, is that he, he's come to save the world, not to condemn you, not to tell you what a bad person you are, and not to tell you all the things that you're doing wrong. In fact, while you were doing all those things wrongs, he went to the cross for you so that through him, you can be saved, and he can begin to show you his heart and his best for you. First Timothy 2, 3, and 6 says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, of God our Savior. Verse 4 says, Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his desire for every single person that was created, has been created, and will be created, that all of them will be saved. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself, gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And you might be saying, well, when is that due time? Well, there will be a judgment someday. A lot of times we'll say, well, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Well, let me tell you something. At that point, it's too late. This is why your relationships today are so important. Our job is to make disciples to all the nations, to share the gospel. And so you think about your relationships, think about where you're at, think about the favor that God's given you. And it's different for all of us, but it's intentional you are where you are. And the most important asset you have are those relationships God's given to you. Now you may look at those relationships and say, well, I don't like that one. But maybe we need to think, well, Jesus desires for every man to be saved. And Jesus desires for them to know him. And God's placed you in that relationship you don't like for a reason. Potentially, possibly, maybe you're the one. That is to show God by the way you love and forgive. And the way that you live and act. All I'm saying is this managing relationships is a bigger deal than you think. You're, you are where you are. You have the gifts that you have because God's given to them. He's placed you in a job or a family or even in this church for a reason. And it's to glorify him. It's to exalt him. It's to thank him for what he's done in you. And because of that thankfulness and gratefulness that he saved you when you were a mess, he saved you. And now you can freely give that to somebody else. That's why he's giving you relationships today. The most important asset God has given each one of us is people. 
So if you will stand to your feet, I just want to close in prayer and uh, thank you again for being flexible and praying with us. It's so important that we do that together. Lord, I thank you for everybody here. Lord, thank you that we learned your heart. If there's anybody within the sound of my voice or watching online that hasn't, hasn't been saved, Lord, it's, the ransom's been paid. The price has been paid. You've made a way for them. They don't have to do anything to, to receive your salvation except say, God, repent and say, I'm sorry, and I want you to be Lord of my life. If that's you today, this is why Jesus made you. This is why he came to save you. This is why you're hearing this message. It's because God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son, not to condemn you, but to save you. And if that's you today, if that's you online, look in your own words to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Forgive me and I'm gonna follow you from today forward and watch and see that God won't change you and transform you, but you've gotta choose. Look, make a commitment to hear the word of God every week. Make a commitment to be in church every week. Make a commitment to get around people that love God and have the same values of God. See that he won't transform you and change you. He loves you. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room that has a conflict, especially with a brother and sister, someone that's been saved by you and they have conflict, Lord, I pray that you would find a way to help them redeem, help them forgive, help them let go. Lord, I know they can't control the other heart, but they can think about their own. Maybe it's been a long time coming. Maybe it's been a very long slip in their relationship, but God... You can do miracles. You waited for us for a long time. You waited for every one of us. You're so patient. The word says you're long suffering, which you allowed us to go through however long it was until we bowed our knee and we confessed our salvation to you. So Lord, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you that relationships, thank you for the people that are in our lives, the families that we're in, the jobs that we have, the neighborhoods that we live in. It's all for your glory. It's all for your kingdom. And I pray that every person in that sphere of relationship would know you as Lord and Savior. And I pray that for Israel too, that every Jewish man or woman would know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Um, today, we're gonna dismiss you, but if you want prayer, we're gonna have altar teams here to pray for you, especially if you've got a relationship you wanna pray over. Remember, it says bring two or three. If you've went to them, you have two or three. Let's pray together. We'd stand with you. We'd love to just pray with you and agree with you. If there's anything we could do outside of that, if you need pray for anything at all, we'll be here to pray for you. So the teams will be here. Uh, if you want to continue to worship with Pastor Frank and the team, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, but just remember there's people praying. So if you're uh, ready to go and you're, you're dismissed to grab coffee, have some fellowship, enjoy one another. Uh, thank you for being here. We love you guys. Thank you for praying. Continue to pray uh, for Israel and all that's going on. And uh, have a great week. God bless.